Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast, where I guess we're doing Rules of Acquisition and not uh, Discovery Home Companion. I didn't actually think that out. We can throw it on both phones or if we want. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to a Kickers of Elves production special edition <laughs> about that. Uh, yeah, my name is Wade Bowen. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Good evening. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. Um, instead of going through an episode of Star Trek, we have, for only the, what, second time, we have a very special guest that I wanted to talk to that I've been a fan of for a while. Uh, we have... <laughs> that bad? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I want to introduce everybody to uh, Manu Sadia. Hi. Um, author of the book Treconomics, the Economics of Star Trek. It is me. And uh, so anyways, we've been talking about Star Trek and Star Trek Discovery for a while. And um, Well, we were talking about... Well, we've been talking about our growing uh, dissatisfaction or discussed with market forces and how it's affected the Star Trek fan- franchise, particularly with the CBS All Access plan uh, to put poor old John Luke Picard pressed back into service. Uh, and there's been a growing feeling among the three of us uh, on the show uh, where we're more and more less interested in fandoms or franchises. Uh, or anything else that exists because there's a market for it. And Manu has expressed similar feelings in the last couple of weeks with the news of the new Picard show. Is that, is that about right? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I mean, it seems that we've entered a new phase of corporate fandom or corporate fanfic with this. I mean, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, you're the one of the first people that I heard use that phrase, and I think we've used that phrase, corporate fanfic, on our podcast and definitely in conversation in our private conversations here mm-hmm. recently. Can you can you kind of get into what what you mean by by that? Well, I mean, they they it seems that they decided to uh, exploit, I guess, uh, one of the best things about fandom, which is you know expressing um, your fandom through the writing of stories about your favorite characters and uh, favorite situations and themes. And it seems that, you know, it's it's this sort of proliferation of add-ons to whatever we know is Star Trek and mostly by using, you know, signs and uh, references to the canon and um, so, you know, in Discovery, it's like it's it's Spock's secret sister that we didn't know existed. Uh, and then, you know, we see the Enterprise at the end and and you get all these things, this fan service uh, with characters and situations from the original series, uh, especially the, the Mirror Universe uh, yeah. <laughs> fan favorite fan favorite. And then we, we get the Picard thing which you know i i I get the 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 commercial or the the business decision behind it but you know business decisions are creative decisions and and vice versa in tv and um so so this is a way to to hitch 
another segment of fans back uh, and to bring them back into the fold because uh, Patrick Stewart is beloved and whatever he does, you know, he has his own fandom mm-hmm. right. and his own following. So, so do you think, do you think that, that by bringing Picard back, it's an admission of like losing on their part? It's no, like, I, like I, if, I if discovery if discovery was good or had done its job properly, they wouldn't need to bring the old guy out of retirement. No, I don't think so. I think I think first of all, I, I from what I understand, discovery did very well. This is a show, you know, that that has like an enormous budget and pre-sold mm-hmm. everywhere in the world, and and the numbers for um, you know subscriptions like are probably enormous as well. Let's not forget, you know, like it, it was basically financed by Netflix. Yeah, that was right, the right. first season was. I think that's a different deal for the second. So. Uh, no, but I mean, I, I yeah. think they, I think in terms of business, they're probably confident enough to give tons of money to Patrick Stewart because probably that cost them a lot of money to actually bring him back. Uh, right. And, you know, like he's almost 80. Like, I mean, <laughs> at this point, he doesn't need to do it. Right. Like, he's not doing it out of charity. Even though you know his his statement was completely bonkers, like I'm here to heal people. You're like what? Well, I, I get <laughs> that. And, uh, I get that. Know, I get that. No, no, no that, but like I, it's because his experience at conventions and with fans has been because uh, he's a good person mm-hmm. and he yeah. listens to others and he's you know and he comes from a broken home and and he's been very active with you know domestic abuse issues and uh, so people love him for his work and for who he is but i feel like we're in a particular because we are in hell world a particularly dark time <laughs> in human history where yes. where <laughs> th- that if the antidote to trump thing like i, I just yeah i'm like uh, I, I wouldn't go that far, uh, sir. <laughs> Do you uh, think, no, things have been pretty bad. No, no, not, not something that I personally believe, but I believe that maybe he was sold on the idea because of that. Like, listen, Patrick, these are dark times. People need need you to, to, <laughs> in your most beloved character to come back. Like, Okay, so maybe, I mean, maybe there's that. It's a little pandering. Is that, is that, <laughs> yeah, but like, is he? A, he's not a, a, a little. Nice, yeah, as, he's not. He's a nice guy, but he can't be. He's not above that, right? Yeah, above pandering. Yeah, he, he's an actor for Christ's sake. So he's got. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's that actor who has nothing to prove. Right. He doesn't need you know another ten million dollars in his pocket. Like, won't make a difference in his life. Like, he probably was sold on the idea on the face of it. that's pretty extraordinary yeah i feel like all access their bigger problem like they had good success with discovery their bigger problem is when discovery's not on oh yeah people just drop off their subscriptions exactly so they need to be in the star trek business Uh, but then but then the good thing is i think the dvd blu-ray or the blu-ray special edition of discovery is coming out like soon Mm-hmm. So, so you I'd know, be interest- I'd be interested to see the sales of that. Well, I mean, you know, they, they're still doing the same thing they've been doing for thirty years, which is you, you know, fandom is they're selling the same thing repackaged twenty times to the same people. Right. That's what they're doing. That's their business, right? That's yeah, the special edition, the VHS special edition, the DVD special edition, the special edition of the special edition, the Blu-ray <laughs> special edition with the special edition com- comments and the special anniversary box, the Blu-ray DVD. Special, you know, I mean, it's like that's what they do, right? And I think one of the things that's about it with me that I that was kind of sad to me when it when it was announced, and when they even discover, even though I didn't enjoy it, when it ended with that clear 
distinction that they're going to be that Pike and and Spock are going to be characters in the second season. Um, it made it realize, like I think a lot of Star Wars fans are realizing right now, which is that you don't have like I was a fan of the universe of Star Trek, but they are catering to fans that are fans of characters. And I think that's like a problem that Star Wars has too. Everything has to be Boba Fett movie, solo movie, all of that stuff. And now we have to go back. I to like the solo movie, by the way. I like, I like the it solo. It was the best. That's why movie it bombed. Yeah, yeah, and it bombed because yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're all on board with that. I would, I would also say like so. There's that, but I think you know more fundamentally, to me at least, is they're not. I mean, they're telling new stories inside stories that we already know. Yeah. Uh, they're not, you know, when Next Generation came out in 87, they had jumped like 120 years ahead or 100 and, you know, third, whatever, you know, it was a yeah. new place. Um, here, they're not doing that. And, uh, and maybe, you know, they're, they're, their next show is Picard, which, uh, you know, whatever. It's, it's, we are still with the same characters and we are mm-hmm. still with the same yeah, we're 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 still in the familiar, right? Which and which probably, is yeah, and that'll probably be guest starring by you know, I'm sure that Frakes will be on an episode. You know, I'm sure that they'll do that kind of stuff. And oh yeah, it, 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 and it, Vash will be there. And uh, <laughs> oh, I can okay. hope. I I always <laughs> no, actually, that would be cool. That would yeah, be cool. Yeah. I would like to see that that woman getting work again. Would be kind of fun. No, no, like and, and and Wesley. Um, yeah. Wasn't like traveling around the galaxy on his own, you know, path of discovery. Right. Um, Wasn't Patrick Stewart engaged to Vash at one point? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is he? Oh, is he? Oh. Yes. No, not anymore. He's married to someone that's not her. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, in but, real life, you're saying? In real life, the actor. Act, oh, yeah, so maybe she won't be on there. <laughs> so maybe she won't be on. No. But. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I. <laughs> I don't know. I, it yeah. it's it just seems that with all the talent and the money and all that, like a, you know, a pitch for what happens a hundred years later could have, right. you know, well, it's not going through because of fan service. Yeah. Yes. Well, a That's counter. What? I guess you could argue that doing a Picard show twenty years later, post Nemesis, is at least newer than say Discovery, which is in between Enterprise yes. and. It yeah. has to be totally told in the margins of a book you've already read. You know, you like yeah. nothing right. can, like Spock can't like whatever they position they put Spock in in season two. We know he can't die or even yeah. change that much, right. you know, so. You know, it's the same with Picard. I mean, it's going to be like, we're, we're, I bet you, you know, it's going to be some kind of melodrama. I mean, like, yeah. it's not even it's going to be some melodrama about, you know, something you did in the past. Some obscure thing that nobody noticed on the seven-year run of TNG, <laughs> mm-hmm. and maybe there's going to be Q, and maybe there's going to be, uh, you know, Worf, and uh, w- which would be cool, you know. But uh-huh. we'd all love to see our <laughs> friends again. Sure, I love all these actors. I would love them to do something else. Like I don't, yeah. you know, like I love seeing. But it's uh, their problem. Also, they've been typecast, and now yeah. you know they're basically good for conventions only. Mm-hmm. Although. Um, Spiner, he could do so many other things because of the makeup. Uh, <gasps> or, yeah, they can Michael Douglas, they can Ant-Man him easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah or, or um, what's his face? Uh, uh, Shimmer Man. He was, he was on Buffy because, oh, right, because right. you know, under the, the Ferengi makeup. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. 
So never got it. Never got Michael Dorn any work outside of. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, but you know, I mean, Michael Dorn is, is like okay. So they're doing Picard. Why don't they do a show with Michael Dorn? I mean, like, is there somebody who's like actually beloved and you know? Like, it would be the same thing. Right. He's been trying to get the Captain Worf show forever. James has a whole pitch about that. I have a whole pitch for an Emperor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, War, old Man Worf. He calls it Emperor. Emperor Worf, yeah. Emperor Worf. Or, yeah. The, but do you see what I'm saying about fanfic? Right. Yeah, I know. Everybody's got. <laughs> yeah, we all have our fanfic, right? Yeah. yeah. And then they get to decide, you know, which one's going to be a show. And usually it's like these. Uh, these cool people in Hollywood. I mean, these the cool writers and, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just, I don't know. It's At this point, I'm sort of over it, I must say. I, I, I'm i going to say something that's, I mean, it's going to destroy whatever cred I get left. But <laughs> well, that's, I'm over Star Trek. I'm like, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's, I mean, it, over in the sense, the, the work as it is, like like the, the oeuvre d'art, if you want, oeuvre, like mm. as, a, as a literally totality, it exists already, like from the original series to Enterprise, and it's self-contained. Mm. And it's okay. And it's okay to mm. let it rest and to appreciate what it is right. now right. Uh, as a self-contained entity and work and to explore that. Adding to it is, is sort of a... Uh, yeah, I guess we're in the world of Ferengis and milking whatever, <laughs> whatever dollar they can get. Right. But That's, you know what? There seems to me that they they could. It's have entertainment. Done. It's a business. I mean, you know, it's an industry. Mm-hmm. Like they they're not here to to please you. They're here to make money right. by pleasing you, exactly. which is which is, mm-hmm. which is a very specific thing. Right. Mm-hmm. They. I think that they could have they could do that without doing further damage to their legacy. I think one of my ideas was for them to take all the next generation actors and reshoot the old scenes from uh, all good things <laughs> mm. where, you know, cause mm. the finale, all good things takes place 30 years in the future or whatever when they're all yeah. old. And I would think that you just go back now that those actors are old, just have them reshoot those scenes and then cut it with the old, you know, nineties footage. And then you would have something completely watchable. Yeah, but like you have issues of credits. Yeah, yeah. Writing yeah. Credits, and uh, you know they're not bringing back like the writers for that, like Braga and 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 sure. and all that crew. Like they moved on. Like they moved on to the Orville. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we love the Orville, by the way. We love the Orville. We're extremely pro Orville. Uh, whatever itch people are looking to get scratched from the next generation, we we as a podcast. Uh, get that from the Orville, right? We were now they they came to you a little bit, didn't they? Well, no, I, I mean, uh, uh, or can you talk about that? <laughs> Seth MacFarlane told me, you know, that uh, the Trekonomics was like required reading in the in the writers' room for the Orville. <laughs> there you go. Well, that had to make you feel good. And, I mean, you know, I, I appreciate their work. I, I know some of the people who write on there, and uh, mm-hmm. like that's fanfic. You know, that is fa- corporate fanfic as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, but totally, it's, totally. It's sort of like sideways fanfic, right? And it's got a little bit of honesty too. Like it, like it's honest about it. Like I don't think that the there's yeah. the there's an intent in there, and they, yes. they 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 have the same idea that they presuppose that you know. The people in there are good. The characters are good. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. like there, there's something about that. They really captured that. And then they make dick jokes. And some of the dick jokes are very funny. And right. uh, and in a way, it's a way to poke fun at the the self importance yeah. of a lot of uh, 
the stuff that went on in Star Trek. Star Trek is very self-important. Right. You know, like all the, the Latin titles uh, <laughs> in Discovery. I mean, come on, guys. Like, you know, whatever you want to signify, you know, this is very serious. Uh, you, you go Latin. So, I don't know. That was some yeah. of the, like, there was a lot of things that they didn't take, uh, that they didn't adapt. Like, there's a lot of style in the spirit of Trek that they chose not to do uh, in Discovery, but they chose to do that pompous yeah. I, I would say okay. By the way, I would say about discovery. Personally, I I, I think representation matters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that, that they really did it that part very yes. well. Yes, and that's really what stands out about the show, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, right. the stories, and and the, I'm sorry, I I can't get into the, the mirror universe. We we were oh. pretty harsh on the story on our, our end. Like going into it, I think I was a little bit more negative about the Orville, for instance, even than James and Hugh. Hmm. But by the end of it coming out on both, I'm definitely I didn't hate Discovery as much as James and Hugh did, but I was not happy with it. And I think I ultimately I was more pleased with what the Orville came out with than what Discovery did. It's my generous. And one of one of the things that I, I would ask you about is that I think that the problem that I have with Trek is that and maybe a lot of people did, is that I stupidly, in my innocence, gave it more importance than just, like, Star Wars is Star Wars. Who cares? You know? But, like, Star (laughs) Trek had, like, a political and, like, a philosophy of life that I I thought was aspirational and and, and tried to attain it. And now, I don't know. And, I mean, you wrote a whole book about that. (laughs) I know. <laughs> and so I was going to talk to you about that. And then this, like, where we are now, is, I don't know, it's kind of open-ended, but where we are now as a culture and what's going on with Trek doesn't seem unrelated to me. And <sighs> yeah, that's that. a very tough one, but it's, I think, I think you're onto something. I don't, I don't know um, how to put it together, yeah. but it seems that the, the sort of unabashed uh, chase for profits through entertainment and and the consolidation of entertainment companies and you know well and and then online and the golden age of TV all that stuff so so there's that on the so that's the business part of it mm-hmm. right? the business yeah. end and so they're making these business decisions they're also creative decisions to mm-hmm. um, try to uh, jumpstart a new streaming service. You know, CBS only streaming service. And by the way, Disney is going to do the same. Yes. Next year, they're coming out with their own, where you can be, where you will be able to watch the Pixar movies and a Star Wars live action series. Yeah. Which is awesome, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> until you realize that, no, but until you realize that, you know, you're already paying ten dollars for Netflix, and then, you know, you're paying like what a hundred for cable, and then you're going to add all these little add-ons on top of everything else. Um, yeah, just walled gardens, and and they go first for the fans because they're early adopters. Yeah, but like, like the prospect of paying, you know, whatever ten dollars a month so that I can watch or have access to unlimited reruns or or, or the whole library of Big Bang Theory is, <laughs> you know. Or whatever they, what else do they do? CBS, like uh, it's, it's really. The, you know, isn't there a, there's a Good Wife spinoff, yeah. or like CSI, you know, Yukon or something? I mean, like I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, so there's that, right? And uh-huh. and that's part of a, you know, the sort of the the online the shift of entertainment from broadcast to online. Uh, by the way, a friend of mine who's you know in the TV business, he's a writer, was like uh, telling me. Oh yeah, you know, 
it's not really you know it's like nobody gets excited about doing a streaming show uh <laughs> you know like network tv still remains the sort of first of all it pays better right mm-hmm. uh, so, and, so, gran- and, and you your grandparents can watch it <laughs> yeah you know yeah no but like you know the orville is a network tv show and and they gave it to seth because you know he's he's like they have first look on whatever he does so right and it's fox so so there's that okay so so that's the business part of it and like the, the inside baseball hollywood los angeles bs mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but it's important because it's it's the sign that tv and and entertainment companies are trying to uh, make their moves uh away from cable and broadcast and into their own world garden on the internet so there's that and and the effect of the internet is really that you can maximize the return on investment in uh, your in the target community you can reach to all the fans on the internet and specifically to each fan and you know it's a little bit like trump and the voters uh you, you can really maximize the engagement and the activation of, mm-hmm. uh, and, and convert into sales uh, that that activation, uh, and you can really do that, and you, you you can do that much more efficiently than you could in the time of Star Trek on TV. Right. Yeah, everybody can come to your rally on the internet. <laughs> so all of those that that group. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I mean you know it's right. it's it's yeah, and and you know and you can also create these 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 very emotionally attached communities mm-hmm. where people will be very defensive and and at the same time will reach out to others and and you can track all that it's fantastic uh for business yeah. it's fantastic well it is intelligent i was just recently noticing how much trump uh spends how much time when he interacts with his audience how much he seems to be indicating that i like you to the people yeah. in the audience like i like you and, and like in a way that like i don't know what barack obama thought of me you know <laughs> but, no, no, but, but like, it's it's about the you know you remember how clinton you know when he would shake hands with people like yes. he had this thing where he would look you in the eyes and people re- recall that and, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. thought you were the only person in the world so it's that feeling well obama's aloofness was the only thing i could relate to he <laughs> was uh, a nerd he was a nerd. He was like us. He was a nerd. I mean, he was better than us, but you know, he was a nerd. So back to your point about walled gardens, something that's a little bit and a little bit ahead of the curve on walled gardens for the last thirty years, and that's the comic book direct market. So it, it used to be that you know, fifty years ago, a kid would walk into a grocery store and see a rack of comics, and then that's how they got into comics because they were ubiquitous, and because they were, people had easy access to them, and they were cheap. Then those kids grew up and became fans. And because they became fans, they became a a target group that could be marketed to. And that created comic book shops, a place for them to gather and talk about their stuff and feel insular. And that created the direct market. The direct market is now dying because it's experiencing another paradigm shift. One of the reasons why it's dying is because it exists at all because when you have a place when you have a walled garden it's hard for new things to grow <laughs> so mm-hmm. i mean I, yeah. I was i was talking to a friend who's you know has a very popular history podcast and he was explaining to me that you know like we're talking 500,000 people for every that's crazy mm-hmm. and he was telling me that, you know the, the the danger and the problem with this sort of approach of patreon where 
I mean, it's a good problem to have for him, but <laughs> it's still that he has to do always the same thing. If he changes color or, or if he shifts character and if he's not the person people pay and expect to hear, then he gets in trouble. Mm. So he's locked into... And, and for him, it works because it's history. But he, he was saying, you know, like if you're locked into being one thing because because, because it's becoming a trans, it has become a sort of transactional relationship uh, very, very effectively mm-hmm. directly with your fans, then then it, it gets complicated as people. Right. Uh, I guess before that, before that sort of direct relationship of the subscri- subscription that you have, you know, for shows like Discovery. And, and streaming services before that, like the people you really talked to were the advertisers uh, and the transaction took place with the network selling the mm-hmm. advertising against your show. Uh, so it's a different type of discussion and it's a different type of, I guess, marketing. Right. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, does it give the fan? Does it give? Does that direct? No, but like, what, what, what you have to do is you have to give the fans what they want, which is fan service. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to give them comfort. This is a situation where people come back often, and and we actually do it when we re- do rewatch of you know DS Nine of TNG or whatever. Like, we go there for comfort. We go there to mine and to find stuff that we missed. We sort of go into these things. It's it's a very uh, obsessive compulsive type of, <laughs> and it's fun, right? I mean, I fucking wrote a book about this, right? Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, two hundred and fifty pages or something. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, we've been doing a podcast for two years about Deep Space Nine every episode. So, so that's that's the obsessive compulsive, but also the comfort of it. So that's that's what you have to cater to when you're doing a subscription based, you know, something like like Discovery or the next Picard show, um, and then that they own you, like that the fans start <laughs> feeling that I'm paying I'm paying six dollars and you're not giving me what I want. Change and do, do what you, I want. You know, you know what's the price of going to like uh, the 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 Star Trek Vegas thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's insane. Wait, mm. you've done the New York. Star Trek. Oh, yeah, but I got in pretty cheap. I told them, I have a podcast and give me a <laughs> press badge. Technically press. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got, so that was pretty sweet. That was a pretty cool scam. Uh, yeah, they didn't give me one for New York Comic Con this year, so yeah. I'm not going. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's my feeling that these digital walled gardens are bad for for the fans that they're serving, ultimately. Like, that's, look, that's my feeling. I... I... <laughs> I don't because I've, mean, seen it, I mean, because I've seen it in the direct market in comic books. Superhero cape comics are fundamentally screwed by corporate mandates that they cannot tell good stories. They have to do they have to recycle the same stuff over and over because the people who buy fill up the comic book shops demand the same stuff for all the same reasons you just said. And as a result, Mm. Um, the stories are garbage and the price point is unsustainable, so people are are dropping out of those fandoms. Well, I mean, we have a Patreon ourselves for a Star Trek podcast, so we kind of find ourselves in that same, oh, yeah. what are we going to do when we run out of Deep Space Nine to do? 
you know, like, but what do we do? Do we do? Yeah. Well, do we, we've cultivated a Star Trek fandom. Well, we've, and, <laughs> right. And, and I think, will they go with this on to the next thing? You uh, know, is it, our beginning and our end of interest in it is just in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I, you know, and, and that, okay. So, so we talk about the business and the, and the, the fandom aspect of it. And, you know, and we know what fandom is at the end of the day, you know, like for, for the corporations, it's reselling the special edition, the special edition deluxe box, the special blah blah. Like it's 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 reselling the same thing to the same people twenty times. That's what mm-hmm. fandom is, right? Yes. But to so th- so that's the the transactional relationship between us and the and the, and the the property owners, uh, or which is kind of a weird. It's a rent. It's a rental situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and they're the landlords. And also, you know, with copyright laws, they can extend that that hold on the intellectual property. Basically, they'll, if they can, they'll do it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the famous Disney laws that allow extension of copyrights. I mean, basically, nothing will uh, like unlike Sherlock Holmes. Nothing will fall into. No, I think the, the Sherlock the Holmes. Account. I think the Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is not in public domain. Oh, it's not. You had no, to get permission no. from someone. Oh, yeah. Apparently, like doing the you get when when TNG did their um, Sherlock Holmes things, uh-huh. you know, uh, they had to ask the estate. Oh, wow. I just assumed. And DS Nine fell afoul of that with the Bond, and yeah, oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, so, so there, there's that. So, um, but maybe now it's in public domain. But like you know, I mean, imagine if. Star Trek were to fall into the public domain, that would be amazing, right? Because suddenly it would free up anybody to um, do whatever they want with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like 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 people do with 18th century or 19th century literature. Well, so so there so so that's one thing that that's the uh, that that's one thing to consider. Instead, you know, we have all these this proliferation of homage. Uh, and and I really loved you know the Black Mirror episode was amazing the USS Callister oh, we, oh, yeah. we all love that come episode. on yeah. dude so 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 there's that um, mm-hmm. and then you know there's the context in which this captation of intellectual property and and you know uh, the, the, this exploitation of what fans love obsessively is taking place and 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 you know the exploitation and milking every last drop of it like milking every last dollar out of people's love for something. <sighs> well, you know, this is America in 2018, uh, where no grift is too small. Uh, <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, like, it, yeah. the whole, the entire government is made up of grifters. The, the conspiracy theory people are all grifters. The resistance people are all grifters. As grifters. Well. As we found with Amy Suskin this week. Yeah, yeah, come on, guys. I mean, like everybody's grifting. It's all a big right. grift. This yeah. is this is the life we live. And then you know, it's it strikes me that um, a lack of education in the humanities uh, prevent a lot of people from recognizes from recognizing a grift for what it is. That's absolutely true. That's oh, yeah. abs- I live I live in an Jordan area. Jordan Peterson, man. Right. It's Jordan. Yeah. Peterson, like, like Jordan Peterson makes zero sense if you've read a the dumbest person. Like it, yeah. I mean, you know, and he, and and he's hailed by by genius David Brooks as the most important intellectual right now. And you're like, <laughs> sure, 
right? <laughs> right. Until he comes down with colon cancer because he eats nothing but beef. <laughs> oh, there's that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and his daughter is on the grift as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's all a grift. We we lived surrounded. We live surrounded by grifters who are trying to, you know, it's like all those Nazis on on YouTube who are making bank just because it turns out the algorithm will surface yes. their 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 Nazi rants. Like you have these people who probably don't care whether they're Nazi or not, but like this is what you know, bring in the the. The AdSense dollars, so so that's it. It's all a grift. And they, and they have a, and they know that there's a certain amount of uh, because of uh, social isolation and all of these sort of late stage capitalism. You have a bunch of 25 year old lonely men living with their parents who do nothing nope. but like are on, that have internet access all day, and yep. so they're there to be converted. You're not trying to track them down and get them. You you know that they'll just show up and you. They're they're like it's it's the matrix, you know. It's it's like they're just there to be, their their attention is there to be harvested for dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the world we live in. I don't know, it's man. Just, it's very depressing, <laughs> right? Yeah, like oh, this this guy. It's got depressing. Real so, fast. Manu, do you have an anecdote <laughs> against this chaos? Do you have an Me? Answer? Yeah, you. <laughs> you got the answers right. We look to no. you, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I my, my, my personal uh, path, if I may, or uh, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it works for others, but, but my, my personal path is to, is to read more and to write. Sure. Uh, right. And with, with very uncertain. Uh, well, I'm very lucky that I have a wife who's a tenured professor at the University of California. So, you know, I, I, my path involves doing risky things that are uncertain in terms of money outcomes. Sure. Uh, but we all have significant others, Manu, who are tenured <laughs> in one way or the other that that allow us to. Yeah. Wait, wait is the only one of us that you're not the it. only one. You're not the only one here. No, no, but like you know, and and if it doesn't work out, then you know I'll go back to teach. But that's another. Sure. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, um, but in a way, I mean, my personal, yeah, my personal path has been to to do the exact opposite. Like, you know, I'm, I'm writing unpopular books about unpopular topics and, <laughs> uh, and not making a lot of money out of it, but deriving incredible satisfaction. Sure. That mm-hmm. is not tied to the monetary rewards. Does that, does well, that, that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And, and this is sort of what we suspected because for somebody who has a book called Treconomics to, to come out and say what you really think about CBS All Access's new, like, new programming is pretty bold. Uh, you know what? Like, this is not an official Star Trek book with the official stamp of the Star sure. Trek franchise. So mm-hmm. I'm actually free to... You know. Oh no, I'm not, I don't mean bold in 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 the sense of like. No, no, but like other people. No, no, but like other people who write official Star Trek books or who do official Star Trek things are not necessarily allowed to say these things, mm-hmm. uh, just because of you know corporate policies. Um, like yeah, so yeah, uh, like, like Horton Joffman. 
Uh, he wouldn't be able <laughs> yeah, to. but he's a, he's a actually actually he's a pretty good friend, and he's a nice guy, and he's a true yeah he's a true cinema. He, he seems to like. He says what he thinks for most. Like things. the guy, like his real love is is cinema, and you know, Godard movies and stuff like that. Then, yeah. but hmm. whenever he was doing the Star Trek well, podcast, he, he, he was paid by Trek. He could not say a single negative thing about this. No, discovery. and of course he couldn't. Yeah, and and you know, and he, he does the the cruise gigs and all that, like. When he does that, he, you know, he needs to he needs to make a living. He's a paid oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, corporate yeah. spokesman, and you know that that's the and yeah, you can't really price to entry, yeah, you can't really fault him for that, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even, but I think what Hugh is getting at, even if you can cater to the people that want nothing but to love Trek and get a certain amount of response, and if you right. tell them that you don't like it, people might. Yeah, sometimes. Mm. Right. Well, you cannot do it on CBS Dime. That's for that's sure. A, yeah. you know, right. That's, that's, and that's your not. book had the virtue of being a, like a like popular amongst like economic, uh, like you know, that it had like another angle. It wasn't like catering to a Trek fan base or anything. No, like not at all. And and you know, I probably would have sold more or, or moved more products if it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, if, you I mean, were, if you were able to put uh, w- William Shatner on your cover or something, <laughs> hey, you know what? I don't know who designed the cover, but I really like I really like the cover. Oh, it's it's uh, it's an artist friend of mine who's a great sculptor, and his wife who's a uh, graphic designer. So they yeah. did that. I really, I really like John it. Powers. He's on he's on uh, he's on Twitter. John Powers. And um, he he also runs a Star Wars fan site oh, called Star, Star Wars. Wars Modern, and it's the best writing on Star Wars you will find ever anywhere on the internet. Star yeah. Wars Modern. Did he like? Did he like Less Jedi or not? He he has a complicated relationship to it. <laughs> With Less Jedi. Like he writes he writes thousands of words on it, you know. And That's and besides that, he's like he's an amazing uh, sculptor. So. That's true. I mean, you know, I get to meet interesting people doing this thing. Yeah, sure, sure. Interesting, yeah. So there's that. Um, and, and you know, honestly, uh, also, like, that's really, you, you write books to make friends because, mm-hmm. you, you know, because you're an awkward person <laughs> and, and you're not, and it's hard. And so writing books is a great way to make friends and to have discussions with people. So so that's, it's 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 a very old school type of way to initiate contact so that's that's why i do these things uh yeah. and and um yeah and, and that's yeah. all i mean i i don't know if this is an antidote to the current hysteria personally i'm just waiting for my daddy picard show to come on and tell me all the right things to feel <laughs> right and, and that's gonna that's gonna be my guiding light going forward i have I really feel like it's going to solve all my problems. The, well, I mean, I, I wasn't really asking. I would, the antidote to chaos was a Jordan Peterson joke, but uh, <laughs> I just, I was just. But I'm I, not well, sure this is, we're not in chaos, actually. This is very specific. No, no It's not no, chaotic no. at all. No, that's why, I, that's, that's why I joke about, I think that chaos is a, is a dumb term. Yes. And it never really defined, and it, it's just evocative for the morons. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well, jo- well, Jordan Peterson specifically said that women are chaos, <laughs> which is and, kind of funny because if you if you know history a little bit, like this was the yes. argument, in you know, during the French Revolution by the Jacobins themselves to kick out women from the political sphere. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, so you're like really, like this is not even you know. 
And and I love if you tell him that he would be less uh, a that. No, 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 no. I don't want to engage in any way, shape, or form with that dude. Uh, like his rabid fans, you know, they will dox yeah, you yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like they're nuts. They're really, it's a cult. They're nuts. Right. Yes, so there's they that. And then, and then on top of that, Peterson, you know, like that great herald of reason and all that, like he's into Carl Jung. So you're like, <laughs> what the yeah. fuck, man? That's it. I mean, he was a Jung- Jungian yes. well before he was a whatever internet proto Nazi or whatever. And, 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 and if you read his book, like the way he recounts, you know, his therapeutic uh, interactions you're like oh my god what a fucking nightmare i mean it, i come from a family of shrinks so you mm-hmm. know uh, i know that oh, i'm okay. pretty familiar with all that yeah and and the, first of all you never write about your patients are no, you crazy? He, he does that a ton he does that a no, ton no. and because anyways you can make up anything you want you know yeah. and and, uh, and it's like I don't know. I mean, so Jordan Peterson is one of these, but you know, like he's not the only one. And you have all these charlatans running around like milking it. And you know, yeah. it's Pew, it's PewDiePie, it's it's Jake Paul, and 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 Jordan Peterson, and all this this horrendous thing. Oh yeah, and so you have a you have a young son about our kids' age. Oh God, that, yes, yes. And I, yeah. I have I have an eleven year old. I have a nine year old. Oh God, they're on YouTube all the time, and they're talking yes, I have memes. An and they're yeah. talking in memes, man. I mean, it's yeah. like it's... I have to know who Ninja is, and then like yeah. I have to like I have to know who Ninja is because he he could like PewDiePie, he could turn into a Nazi. So I have to like be able to yeah. like know like I don't want my I kid know. indoctrinated with this. So. And 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 then you know they have Sonic the Hedgehog and <laughs> don't touch my spaghetti, and you know you're like. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> don't touch my spaghetti. I'd like that was their big thing all year long. It was don't touch my spaghetti. I'm I like, spend a lot of time just trying to keep up with memes with my son. It's, it's like I love them. I mean, they're I, amazing. The thing is, is that I if we didn't have sketch comedy, you know, if we didn't have kids, I'm sure I was making kids in a hall references, you know, when I was that age or whatever yeah. or just mm. about that age and i seemed like all my conversations probably seemed impenetrable yes you know to my parents but Same. so I, I the memes i don't but doesn't bother me as much as the cult of personality being able to be beamed straight into our kids faces <laughs> well that it's their friendship simulator yes and so you have this like idea that your kid is like he's my kid isn't upstairs watching a show right or something. And he watches shows. But when he's watching these things, there's like a, he's a, the friendship. He's hanging out with a buddy. Yes. And that since it's not really a social interaction, but a parasocial interaction, like how it's not that healthy, but I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want to shut him off. From, it's their culture. That's what yes. my kid was saying. It's our culture, dad. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, if it's negative or not. So I just, my feeling is to just be close to it. That's the thing is I can't figure out, I can't figure that out either. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, like spot the Nazi or the racist and, you know, (laughs) no, but like, like sometimes like he, he was telling us about this YouTube dude talking about gay people and stuff like that. I was like, what? And was it positive or negative? It's like, oh, it was bad. It's like, oh, okay, so you spotted it. Okay, so yeah, yeah oh, that's, that's that is always good. Yeah. One of the things I was wanted to ask you about is that you, uh, w- since we're talking about Hell World uh, <laughs> and our negative uh, f- feeling isolated and alone, uh, and to go back to Trek, you know, sort of the promise of Trek is that at the core of it is that once we found out we're not alone in the universe, once Vulcans came down, uh, it, something fundamentally shifted in the human nature for the better. 
and that we realized we weren't alone and we, you know, and so basically. By the way, you notice like this is a theme throughout science fiction. You know, arrival is the same, like Mm -hmm. the world is united because some, I mean, you know, arrival was a wonderful movie, but there's this sense that, you know, the people from the outside will come and will set things right. Yes. Right. Well, that was, uh, and negatively, that's the uh, the theme of Watchmen, the, the graphic yeah, yeah. novel that they made it through, that an alien oh, yeah, attack, yeah, of course. but it would yeah. make the, and then we could all rally together and it whoop some alien ass. Right. I mean, the classic, <laughs> we need an enemy to band against, but Star Trek is kind yeah. of the opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, but you said that you think that on Twitter, you wrote this week that you think, or sometime, that if alien, you don't think anything would change. And no. I thought that was such a interesting, like I, it was, it was such <laughs> a fun, no, no, it, it is because it's like a, like I've been stripping myself of, I'm disabusing myself of a lot of the noble feelings I had towards humanity. <laughs> and that was like the one next one. And I was like, yes, you're right. So now it was like, uh, so if you want to, could you elaborate on that? What you were well, thinking? So, so I'm, I'm in the middle of trying to write this book about the Fermi paradox and, uh, you know, holy shit, really? Where is everybody? <laughs> No, that's, uh, that's your next book. Have you said that publicly before? No, but like, uh, is that okay that we're talking about it? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. You know, like, but like, like I, I'm writing two books at the same time, and I'm trying to see which one I'll finish first. So the uh, other one is 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 is, is French Spain, where it's a long I, yeah, troll I, of America. So, uh, but like, like, I mean, it's getting me really depressed oh no. uh, and angry, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, sort of like slow down on this one to go back to the other. So the, um, flip, the flip side of that is imagining the the exact opposite <laughs> about where. Well, but I mean, you know, so 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 it's a meme, right? I, I would say this is a meme that. Uh, the outsider, like advanced aliens, will come in and will set everything right, mm-hmm. and we will rise up to the o- occasion. So you have like the Vulcans, and then there's a rival. But this is something that, yeah, and, and uh, Watchmen, and you know, this is something that runs through nineteenth mm-hmm. and twentieth century science fiction literature. Um, interestingly enough, it's like the the sort of like opposite or or the inverted image of what we did. To you know, a lot of native populations, right, right. Uh, yeah. to, to what Europe did to a lot of native populations, we came in and uh, uh, we basically genocided them with smallpox and you know, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> and I mean, not whatever. guns and like, yeah. <laughs> No, like either guns or smallpox, but mostly yeah. smallpox. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, I, I've been reading a lot of uh, Polynesian stuff oh yeah because it's germane actually mm-hmm. so these these things this idea that somehow if we well first of all what does contact mean you know like if if, if it's steady and if it's listening to the outside world and to the universe and finding a signal in the noise mm-hmm. you know which we may or may not but if we do like what happens then we know we will know there's a civilization that's beaming stuff and that is like you know 500 Light years away, and there's nothing we can do about it, knowing about it. Like, okay, so we're not alone in terms of knowledge, but in, in practically, we still are. And we right, still yeah. have the same problems. And then, you know, of course, everybody will lose their shit about whether Jesus saves them or not. And, <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, but... I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I'm joking about this, but this is actually something that goes way back to Aristotle. This is a philosophical question and theological question that agitated a lot of people 
throughout. Mm-hmm. I mean, it got Giordano Bruno, you know, burnt at the stake. So, uh, yeah. so, so this is not something that's new. And I don't think it's going to change a lot. If it what happens. if we actually have an actual contact, like a Star Trek first contact? Oh, you mean if somebody comes down like from a benign, like or not a benign, but an enlightened, developed? Okay, but like, what does that mean? Like, is is it somebody in the ship? Sure. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Uh, how would the ship travel? Oh, I don't know. What kind of ship would that be? Like, the only way a ship can travel thousands and thousands of years. Uh, through interstellar space is you know i mean the only way no there's there's not one way but like it's hard so most likely whatever will come in contact with us will be a machine that's true right uh, or, or some kind or of you know, like a generational ship where you know, if you have the, like dude if you have the technology to build a generation ship like why would you even bother going to an uninhabited space. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, well, I, like you, I see you, what you're, you're saying, saying, but who am I to judge them? The cost of the cost of building such a thing is so astronomical that, you know, only societies that are beyond opulent can contemplate this. And societies that are beyond opulent probably wouldn't care. I mean, so you're saying not only mostly it wouldn't even be like neg- like you're just saying it's going to be disappointing. <laughs> like there's something about it that's just like no, just I don't think like we just discovered this lake on Mars, you know, this giant lake, and then it's it's like nobody cares. No, but that's different. No, no, that's different. That's science, and it's cool, and it is. And, yeah, but, but you know, it's like filling up the the voids in the sort of the big picture of what's going on in the solar system and how frequent is. We still don't know how frequent is life, by the way. So yeah, so there's that. I'm very doubtful that any ship of any form will ever, you know, reach. Mm -hmm. I I, I think also that's the other thing. And that, that, that point was made by Philip Morrison, the founder of SETI, which is the really, the only valuable thing on an interstellar scale is information. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's what's the point of sending a ship or people because like what really matters is information and transmission of information. So, at the end of the day, uh, any discussion of contact, you know, at, at a remote distance like this, and we're talking, you know, you send a message takes like a hundred right. years to get, and then the and the response takes another hundred years. So, so we're talking, you know, dialogue over generations. Um, it's information that matters, and the way you send the messages and you communicate and you establish communication is through understanding of, you know, it's about how how do you talk to others. Who don't speak your language. This is the kind of challenge that faced Hawaiians and Tahitians who saw European ships come to their shores in the 18th century. How do you communicate? How do you establish a common language? How do you learn each other's language? I mean, it's, it's very, you know, right, right. it's actually mm-hmm. very challenging. How do you learn somebody else's language if you have no basis to sort of point out right. if you if you have no physical contact? Like, this is a chair. This is food. I'm talking. These are my eyes. You know all that stuff. Like it's really hard to establish communication without face to face. Right. So th- it's going to be a, a an anthropological challenge more than a technical. Have you read one. China yeah. Mieville's Embassy Town? Because that's that's kind of similar. Yeah. That's yeah. The, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, this is this is the kind of theme, the kind of themes that a lot of people are discussing. It's it's mm-hmm. very intriguing. Mm-hmm. As for Star Trek, you know. It's just not going to happen that way. Yeah, no way this happens. <laughs> sorry, nerds. Like, sorry, guys. 
No, but like I always thought the Vulcans were not, you know, I always thought the Vulcans are in fact a projection of what Roddenberry imagined humanity would be. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Would become. Right. And when you think about it, like all the attributes of the Vulcans, like, you know, equanimity, a strong sense of justice, uh, uh, rational decisions under stress, all that stuff. Like it's that's the whole crew of TNG's enterprise is is Vulcan. Right, right. Yeah, that's it's in your book. <laughs> that's why you don't need to have a Vulcan on the crew. You know, like the most human of them all is Data. Right, right, right. <laughs> because yeah. he has something to strive for. Well, and that's why they all have a paternal. The Vulcans have a paternal aspect. Uh, or, you know, attitude toward the humans, and yeah. all the humans on the Enterprise in the Next Generation have a paternal attitude toward Data. Well, because, and, and yeah, and Picard yeah. is their dad, and he's kind of exhibits the most classic Vulcan. Yeah, his daddy, yeah. And there's and, Wesley yeah. Crusher, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and there's Wesley Crusher. Who's us? Yeah. We can. We can I'm very disappointed in you, Wesley. <laughs> right. oh. uh, yeah. So, um, and the, the one of the things you're when we think about Vulcans and the that when I was young, and you're like a young atheist, and you want to like. You're like, ah, oh, this is kind of cool. This is like smart people and stuff. And now I feel like when I think of these kind of Vulcan traits, I start thinking of people like Sam Harris. And oh, I like, I hate these people. Like, I don't want to like... And yeah. so I think that that's what, like, my relationship with it now is that, like, the Vulcan concept, what we thought, like, what the writers were trying to project by writing Vulcans that attracted me to it when I was younger is now like, I, I, well, I mean, I, right, with the, the Vulcans on discovery, like they're kind of douche adjacent. I mean, there yes. Was, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, there was that on enterprise as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the problem of digging too far deep into the franchise, I guess. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, and also changing times, like, the, who's yeah, your daddy now basically it's no longer the vulcans like who's the daddy in Star Trek, right. Right? I mean, uh, well i guess we're uh, we're at a point where in american culture where there's a riff where it's, some of us don't feel like everything has to be so patriarchal and, <laughs> yes and, and, <laughs> no. and so yeah including including us we'd like to tear we'd like that shit to be torn down as well and yeah we're still like four dudes on the podcast i know yeah, <laughs> right 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 no i'm well, sorry well you got to work with what you've got that's a certain aspect like if you know, yeah, if, I know. If, if we were an institution we wouldn't but it's yeah. it's more akin to like three guys forming a band because you know two other guys can play the <laughs> instruments it's not yeah yeah but yeah no but it is a, yeah the, that's, I mean, that, that's something we're yeah we are it is. It, 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 I'm it sorry. Is. Like, like I, I'm, I'm plunging into this abyss of self-reflection and <laughs> no, self-loathing. We, we, we make that comment. We make that yeah, commentary all the time. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're all trying to be not too. We're all trying to be good guys. <laughs> right, right. We're, we're failing, but we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what. And I think that we think that's that's good enough in our personal relationships. So surely we'll be absolved <laughs> socially for that. Because yeah. usually my wife will forgive me if I was trying to do the right thing. Yeah, that's true. Me too. Same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's, uh, I got to kind of stick the landing on that. But you got, <laughs> you got to, oh, good, good for you guys. Yeah, yeah. I get that sometimes too. It's like, I don't care what you're trying to do. You're still an asshole. That's why you got much, you, you approach it much more rigidly. Than, well, uh, but <laughs> my, um, my uh, partner does the same way. Like, yeah, you're trying very hard, but you're still fucking up. It's not good enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. So do you think that the print the principles that you uh, sort of outlined in Treconomics of where how that how their economic society worked? Do you think like is it 
not even in our lifetime, do you just think that it's attainable for humanity to get there? Or do you do you see a road path? I, at this point? I I don't think it's impossible because uh, uh, you know it's basically Keynesian redistribution on steroids. Mm-hmm. So Which yeah, I mean, you personally, it, would be fine with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So. Yeah, no, no, but like you know, we're 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 talking about a situation where society has become so wealthy as a whole that uh, it no longer makes any sense to put a price on stuff because mm-hmm. everything is you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so the the converse of that, or and that Paul Krugman who pointed this out, he thinks that human needs cannot be satiated. Like we, he thinks we'll keep on inventing new needs to be dissatisfied yeah, with ourselves and with the world. Yeah. Um, it, I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, I've always, it, people always casually say about like Jeff Bezos or something, like how much is too much money? And I was like, well, a human history has showed that there is no answer to that question. No. <laughs> We're a bottomless pit. It becomes abstract. And I mean, <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, so so there are headwinds. <laughs> uh, uh, it seems that you know the the, the distribution of, of wealth outcomes mm-hmm. is not moving right, you right. know in the right direction. But uh, there there there's always you know world war and 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 stuff like that to right. equalize things. Even in Star Trek, and usually that that's how it happens. You know, like yeah. a welfare state in Europe, in Western Europe came about because of World War Two. So yeah. You get Hitler to thank in a way. Um, <laughs> so uh, the accelerationists—they uh, have a—they have a point. Is that the way you? View? Ex- no, accelerationists—they want war. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. They like, want the final war. war. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wish we could do it without a war. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it would seem like. Uh, it, so there's that, and then there's this race against cooking off the planet. That's that's yes. the big one, yeah. right? And uh, and then it's a huge problem of collective action. And uh, I don't know if this is going to work out. No, 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 no. We're not prepared for that. Yeah, I don't. No, no, but I, I can, I can totally see a situation. It's, it's a prisoner dilemma thing on on world scale, and I think people and countries that already have a leg up and a lot of money don't want to cooperate. Simple right. as that. So, yeah. you know, fuck you, Bangladesh. Uh, yeah. and, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry. Fuck you. I mean, we can't even. We can't even protect. Miami. So I mean, like you know, because yeah, that's fuck the, Miami as well. Yeah, but, fuck yeah. Miami, and that's the people that are buying these expensive houses there. They're like, oh, let me tell what? you, the the insurance premiums are going up on oh, yeah. real estate in Miami. It's you know, like the question is like, who's going to be left holding the bag? But then again, you know, if you're LeBron James and you have like a forty million mansion <laughs> on some island in Miami, you don't give a shit if it you know disappears tomorrow so it's sort of one of the things that i always argue about when i argue to these people that don't believe it that believe that somehow it's a left hoax global warming i'm just like well tell that to the uh tell that to the uh mortgage companies that aren't offering 30-year mortgages in miami right now yeah you think think that they're falling for a left-wing scam no they know what's going on and it's and you know and and these are market mechanisms that will sort of cushion the blow of what is really happening Mm -hmm. but you know, long, longer term, guys. I don't know if if we're, I mean we're, there, there are there are signs that some things are actually turning okay. The speed at which wind power and solar is being installed, um, it's it's we're way ahead of what people thought would be the price by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so there are 
there are mar- I mean, you know, we know also from history that markets can really move mountains. Uh, with yeah, yeah. the right market incentives, you can really flip things like very quickly. Right. Um, except you have to fight incumbents and car companies that don't want to uh, sell mm. efficient cars or, you know, or, or Saudi Arabia that wants to keep um, selling oil. That oil, yeah. And therefore is, wants to take Tesla private so they can kill it if, you know, whatever. Oh, that is what they're doing, isn't it? I didn't even think about that. Well, I mean, you know, they want to hedge against oil, or maybe they want to hedge against Tesla. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all about them wanting to they'll buy Tesla just to put gas engines in them. I think that's what they... <laughs> you, you're joking, but guess no, what? But... <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I yeah. bet you there's something going on there. So no, that's how I work. I joke about something, and then the, the about joke about the worst thing. <laughs> right. yeah, the the thing is that I don't think Elon Musk could actually manage to figure out how to put a gas tank inside right. of Tesla. So, <laughs> right. Um, you know, that, it, Saudi Arabia will help him with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, now they found out that it's been, some sort of whistleblower came out. Oh yeah. That had a lot that they were they were uh, using it to using uh, the big launder drug money or Tesla has like a drug connect has like a like a Columbia connection that that might have a problem there. Oh, people buy Tesla's uh, cash too. No, whistleblower says Tesla spied on employee cell phones, failed to act when told Mexican cartel dealing drugs at Gigafactory. Ah. Uh. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So where the engine That's is, a little it's different. Just okay. filled it's with cocaine. Okay. It's, yeah. not, it's not like in the capital structure right. of the car. No. <laughs> it's just bad management, which we know yeah, not right, is happening there. But so, you know, like there, there are countervailing forces. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to sound like. It's not all doom and gloom. No, I mean, you know, and, and by the way, we might actually, once this Trump thing is over, we might actually get. Universal healthcare in the U.S. finally after the rest of the world, you know, because they wrecked everything, and probably you know we won't see a Republican in charge for a very long time. So hopefully, oh, bless, more you, bless your heart. Hugh <laughs> lives in the middle of it, so he he might be a little more pessimistic. No, no, no. You know, in all likelihood, like, these guys have burned their bridges for a while. I mean, well, if by playing it straight, you know, if you're playing it straight, they've burned. Yes, it. but, but uh, they're not. They're not worried about these guys. Aren't worried about. <laughs> we just had eleven year olds ha- see if they could hack the state electric election yeah, yeah, system I I in, in Florida. So I, I just, uh, I know. Yeah, there's that, and then there, there's the you know, why are they all Nazis? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, there are so many Nazis in the Republican Party. I mean, it's weird. Uh-huh. Like today, yeah. the 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 candidate for uh, governor of California. I mean, arguably the guy has no chance, but mm-hmm. he's like, he was like, yeah, waiting at the DMV is like um, waiting in line for the Holocaust or something. Like, Jesus Christ. Well, really? we, call, we call them Nazis, but they don't actually have anything to do with socialism. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 that's that's the thing is that like they. Oh God. Oh man, I don't want that. Oh. But but yeah, that's that's you're the thing, right. Is, is that the people who support the racists who support these people are are not going to be they're going to get them okay they're going to get these if they get everything they want they are still going to be left held you know holding the bag for a horrible economic situation oh, they're, I, I, yeah i mean they, they they're they're fucking themselves but at least you know but at least black people are down <laughs> right. something at like that no 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 that's that's that that's what that's, it is that's what it is 
I mean, it's I, I mean, I see I that as an outsider, and I'm I'm completely. No, I, I, I live it. I live in, in the, well, I live in Southwest Missouri. I'm I was true, in, and I can promise you, in a predominantly Republican county, in in a predominantly re- Republican state, it is the. And I work with these people. I go to you know, my kids go to school with these people. They're on the softball team with these people, and they they all are. They're all going to be left, you know. Economically wrecked after they've elect, you know, elected all these people, and they will find they'll believe whatever propaganda comes down the pike, you know, to place a blame on. Mm. Yeah, and as long as they feel better, like because that was, you know, yeah, the, that's the, the story of the 20th century is that the decline of industrialization in America hit urban areas first, so it hit the black people first. So then you had all of these problems that conservatives got, like you had the welfare, you know, all of these boogeymen that they did with the drug use and the, the you know, and gang violence and all of those things. And then all of a sudden, it'll, you know, in the last eight years, you started seeing that in places like West Virginia, Kentucky, and then we have the opioid crisis now, which is like mostly That's white. This, I mean, I was, I was reading about that, that, uh, you know, mortality is going up in the it's United insane. States. It's um, it was something like more than the year the, of the most car crashes where the Nader, the Nader Raiders started to get to lower the rate. It's all driven by fentanyl, but the number of opioid mm. deaths mm. in 2017 was like 40-something percent more than the total mm. car fatalities in 1973. It's insane. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it, 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 there's, there's a suicidal thing going is, on. Yes. And, is, and when you map the, the numbers onto, you know, Trump voters like this is where he got the majority of the, mm, of the yep. votes so they start feeling like that w- all of the things that they have felt better than african-americans over the last 30 years or 40 years now it's hitting their house and their home but and the, they the don't think the african-americans have have because of history have have developed ways to resist and mm-hmm. to be resilient and to maintain their communities and to I mean, these people Afri- don't have that. Uh, no, these people because these people, yeah. I mean, African Americans are are the most resilient and and, oh, God, and yeah. fascinating people in the United States for that. I mean, you know, and, and they really are. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but like you know, they, you get Aretha Franklin coming yeah. out of, you know, oh yeah, out of here. I live in Memphis. Like that's where she came from. Yeah, yeah. They're like my daughter goes to school in that neighborhood. So like Na- um, natives, yeah. Native Americans <laughs> should get should get more props too. I agree too. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they they survived they and they didn't get killed. Not all the no. I mean, yeah. So so there's a so there's a like, but that history of resilience uh, is not there, and that that culture of resilience in the face mm-hmm. of incredible odds is is just not there for they're, and they're very angry they don't, yeah. Yeah, it's just like whenever you're in a position like I don't know, I've I've gotten jobs that I didn't deserve before, <laughs> and you find out you're over your head and you get angry and touchy. It's just that's that's the way white people are now in America, <laughs> in, in the vast middle of America, is that we don't know what's going on, we're not prepared for this, and we're really angry. Really, no, really and angry. and then people are dying around us of opioid, you know, yeah, like like the, the it's like the AIDS crisis. But this time it's 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 hitting the heartland, kind of. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's 
It's and they want to blame Mex. That's why they want to blame Mexicans because they think drugs equals Mexicans, but it's not. It's fentanyl. No, it's the it's, Backler family. It's the the yes. you know the, the yeah oxycontin and all that. Yeah, yeah. It's the way government is set up. I mean, uh, uh, they they can pay doctors to prescribe here. It's fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, they send them hookers and stuff. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's it's just if you had universal healthcare since. 1946 or 47 when Truman proposed it and Mm -hmm. and the American Medical Association shut it down well this would not happen yeah there's this thing we were talking about that with my wife but there's this thing about the physical decrepitude of the the, the decrepitude of bodies that that's Mm. what's going on and and diesel opioids fentanyl and all like they're really even more so than than Amphetamines. I mean, mess is bad, but yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's something that that and the opioids like they help people go to work. You know, I mean, That's they're they're, yeah. they're drugs of work. It's like your back. You broke your back on a job on a job site. You take fentanyl. You know, because you need to keep on working. And there's almost something about it, specifically with the pills, where it's like if you become a heroin addict or a methamphetamine addict, you you kind of remove yourself from society. You kind of cloister up and like, mm-hmm. like, well, yes or no. And, I guess, huh? Yeah. And then like, but with fentanyl or any sort of pills, like you're, it's acceptable. Wait, in a fentanyl, way. fentanyl is a pill. I thought you had to inject. Well, you have to, it's patches too, I think. Oh, from oh yeah. Wife, there's patches. Yeah, for there's it. patches is how they do it. Um, but just Oxycontin and all of these kinds of things. It, they're, it, they're pills. You can, yeah. You can do it while you're like, and you can do it without, isolating yourself from your you know you don't get high and you're useless for 24 hours or whatever so yeah it's 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 much more ingrained in it, it, it it's allowed to be much more ingrained and so it's much more pernicious so where your neighbors are you know dying from you know opiate addiction but you don't realize it because they're still putting other garbage and yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, so so Okay, that that was a um, yeah. that was a dark turn. I here. still think yeah. this Picard show, my daddy Picard's going to come in and he's going to solve oh, it all for me. Jesus, yeah. maybe we maybe I could go for a little bit of old man Picard right about <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, maybe we need oh, Picard just, daddy. <laughs> I, I was I started this uh, not looking forward to it, and now maybe maybe I need <laughs> to. <laughs> Actually, what I'd really just like is the Orville season two to come back. Yeah, and and have some dick jokes in space. Like yeah. honestly, that's what I I. I I wouldn't mind that now just just to have some fun yeah yes um, and it, that's the the orville makes living in that star trek society uh the trekonomic society it makes it look fun whereas something like discovery made it look like game of thrones oh it's but, so serious oh yeah. god the self-importance oh, yeah that's that's the, that's the some levity would be welcome it's yeah. it's it's um, you know it's levity and science fiction don't really go together except when it's Han Solo, but it's not science fiction, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, adventure, fantasy, or whatever. Yeah, I'm kind of you know at least in my personal, um, yeah, the, like the on my path to mm-hmm. through life, I, I'm getting away from science fiction yeah. more and more. And I think it's an maybe it's an age thing, or maybe it's it's time to move on. And, I just think it's very. Um, it just feels very dated. Most of the classic science fiction of Star Trek, and even even like Heinlein and the 
you know, and at, like the Foundation trilogy, we all read that recently, and that feels very. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's an amazing feat, but it is right. The, yes, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's time and place. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, I would it, say the same about the Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, which is you know, yeah, straight up fascist. Sure. Um, have you read? Have you read? Have you read? I'm not read. Have you watched Rick and Morty? Oh yeah, I love Rick and Morty. Oh. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, Rick and Morty. <laughs> Well, um, Rick and Morty touches on something that probably why science fiction seems so empty to me right now is because there's a, just an absurdity or a ridiculousness to life that I think it's all constantly being highlighted that somehow science fiction, the classics of science fiction, seems to presume a seriousness right to yes. humanity that humanity doesn't seem to have. Like we don't. I, I would say you know like there's one writer or like there's a there's a few there are a few writers that capture mm-hmm. the sort of like funny thing about it, mm-hmm. but you know who has time to read science fiction honestly? Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean no, no, like I want to you know I want to read real. I mean, and I'm not making a point like it's not real rich literature and all that, but like there's so much stuff I need to catch up on besides science fiction that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's become kind of a fallow thing for me. I used to be a big fan, but then I don't know. I, I yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you know maybe we we need to engage with the world on uh, right different that's what I'm... right. I think that's something that we've all been saying here recently. Not being spectators and and because fans are spectators and there's a spectacular relationship to the content and to the stories and maybe maybe we need to you know maybe to need well, to spend more time with our kids <laughs> i i would say something like that yeah they're getting interesting at their age yeah that's for sure or even as far as art is like i think telling like if you're going in the realm of fiction or entertainment telling more and it, this leads to, but telling more applicable things like, like doing, like, I don't know, like, do, is, is, is this what we need right now? Cause I feel like we need something in, from art. Right. I, I, I know that you were a huge fan of Sorry to Bother You. And yeah, like, Wade I, has, Hugh hasn't seen it cause it didn't come to Joplin, <laughs> but uh, we all were huge fans of it. And I felt like there was a, yeah, not no. that there was something to this. It was like, okay, this is more like what we need. It's yeah. entertaining. It's funny. It's not on the nose, but it, 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 it's, it's rough and it's cool and and it's, yeah. That's that's yeah. the uh, yes. I, I I'm, I'm hoping everybody. that somebody can find it for me through all, you know, alternative means. It'll probably no, be on but like it, it'll come out. It'll come out on DVD soon. I know. I I I I'm the worst at spoiling things, and I've done a pretty good job. But I don't know how much longer I can go. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what I'm I'm in for with it, other than what I saw in the trailer. So I'm the, really the, looking this, forward to it. This movie will be a classic, yeah. very soon, and a cult movie. You know, it's, it's yeah. going to become like the Big Lebowski or something like that. Oh, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. It's, oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah it will be a classic of left wing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's in that tradition. So that's what I'm more interested in. But then you have the the but the fans. What we were talking about with fans, which isn't about yeah. this, this, this user the is fans. Like, the fans, you know, they want comfort, man. They want comfort because yeah. the world is and, not comfortable. And they see a lot of, and that's when you start getting this like SJW, like were like you know all of these influences, and that was a big thing with Discovery. Is well, why do we have you know you got all these diversity people and like it's a negative thing. And I think yeah, that that's, that's that that's why I'm, I support Discovery, if only because mm-hmm. of the cast and the effort there, like mm-hmm. the stories and all that. Like I 
couldn't care less. But yeah, I I think they did they did right. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah, I mean you know Anthony Rapp. I mean, come oh, on, he's great. Yeah. So yeah. it's well, other than fridging, you know, his husband after like one episode. Yeah, but you know was... what? That's also a convention of TV that whoever gets it on and has some sex will, right. you know. And they're bringing him back next season too, right? Yes. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, it's definitely. Yeah. I mean, Starship Troopers, man. I mean, yeah. but I always thought Star Trek was better than that. They used to. Maybe it was. Star Trek was one of the more pro-sex. Dude, uh, was it? Come on, man. So heteronormative. Uh, yeah, it was heteronormative, but that like that was just going to be the case. But I mean, like at least the only relationship Jordy could ever have was with like a hologram. I mean, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh. then they they made a little progress with Jadzia Dax, and then and yes. they they, I, they at least have been they've been trying yes. to make make yes. some progress. Yes, Jadzia Dax was a sex bot. I, I think I think that's the thing that that we at least we want from our Star Trek is to be yes. to go in a direction not be regressive mm-hmm. so in the in that sense I feel like yeah Discovery got got that right right they did it right yeah they did it right and that's why I will support it against anybody but personally I, I just you know like the, the mirror universe stuff like just tell better stories yeah I, I, I so love um, what's her name the Empress uh, oh yeah, uh, Michelle Yao. Yeah, yeah. Michelle Yao. Michelle, Michelle Yao. Yeah. I'm like Michelle. Give Michelle Yao like her own ship and her own story because she's just you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, we feel we. I definitely feel like the story itself did no favors to, no. to the wonderful cast. No, and it's also yeah, like you know, have you seen how many executive producers? Like, there's there are more executive producers than actors. <laughs> right. It was a garbage story. And then you know they get rid of the showrunners before the second season, even though they mm-hmm. laid out like two or three seasons mm-hmm. ahead. I mean, this thing is a yeah. mess. Like what yeah. I've heard from what's going on in that writer room is like, yeah. So. I do have yeah, my sources. No, I actually. We believe yeah, we don't. We won't make you reveal your sources or anything. But do you? Are you? Are you on board for season two? Do you feel obligated to watch it? Or no, not at all. Zero. I'll watch it yeah. through Twitter, <laughs> yeah. and you know I'll get enough yeah, reactions. That's, just, like, that's like, the same. Same here. That's the way I'm watching Secession. That, well, that's the way I, I've watched the last few years. I'll, I'm usually done by the end of a season one with a lot of shows because I have an idea of what they want to say and. What they want to do, and my my curiosity has been satisfied. The, the golden age of TV has drawbacks, right. and, and one of it is really the the sort of emphasis on character melodrama. Like everybody who's writing for TV right now went to USC, you know, or UCLA or screenwriting, like in the nineties, where everybody watched Pulp Fiction and decided that having, you know, quirky and complicated characters and focusing just on that was really the thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And it's, 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 it's a mode of storytelling that personally I cannot, I, I'm not that interested in characters. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, it sounds weird, right? But I'm not really interested in characters. That, but that's me. But people uh, like I, it. Yeah. Personally, I'll I will probably watch the second season, but it's almost because of the uh, the structure that I'm a part of. Like I did a podcast about the first one, and you know I'll maybe do it, but I don't know if I can get James and Hugh to come on. We have a Patreon goal where <laughs> right. if they if we hit five hundred dollars a month, we'll watch Star Trek Discovery too. <laughs> you can literally pay us to watch it, but that's yes. the only way. Yes. 
<laughs> well, I think or I th- we've gone a while. So I think we've kept you long enough, and uh, yeah, we don't want to keep you too long. It's the, thank you guys. Well, thank yeah, we're on the West Coast. And, uh, so uh, the much book fun. is the book is Truckonomics, and you can buy it on Amazon. What is your preferred rules of acquisition? <laughs> yeah. <Truckonomics. laughs> yeah, we're not gonna get through this without the rules of acquisition. So yeah, no, uh, Truckonomics. The book is available on Amazon. And it is the economics of Star Trek. And uh, Paul Krugman himself said of the book that it is the book on the topic. So (laughs) it is the endorsement. uh, Have you met Paul Krugman? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is he a cool guy? You know, he's a star. (laughs) But he's also, he's he's the kind of person who... um, was very anxious about the jokes he makes in public. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, like you're a Nobel Prize, you're a superstar, and you're still anxious that your jokes oh, okay. landed. So, you know, it's kind of, it's very sweet. <laughs> but yeah, you read the manuscript and he gave me notes. So I'm sort of like, oh. So, yeah. Oh, that's a pretty cool deal. All right. I, 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 I love we, that, man. We appreciate you so much being on on the on our yeah. podcast. Thank you very much. And, uh, and I hope I didn't destroy whatever cred I have left. No, no. I think you... Not with us. I think that you did great. Uh, yeah. will, you, will you come back again sometime? And uh, maybe, Oh, yeah, maybe, absolutely. Maybe whenever the new This is a safe space. This is a safe space. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. All right. But thank you very much. Live long and prosper, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later. Thank you again. That's the end. What more do you want? You want you to beam out? I guess they forgot. You got something to say? Tell those jerks what's up. 917-408-3898.